the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, August the 21st, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On August 21st, 1831, Nat Turner, he launched a violent slave rebellion in Virginia. It resulted in the deaths of at least 55 white people. Scores of black people were killed in retribution. Turner was later executed. Today in 1858, the first of seven debates took place between Illinois Senate senatorial contenders Abraham Lincoln and Stephen Douglas. Today in 1911, Leonardo da Vinci's Mona Lisa was stolen from the Louvre Museum in Paris. It was recovered two years later in Italy. Today in 1959, President Dwight D. Eisenhower signed an executive order making Hawaii the 50th state. And today in 1992, an 11-day siege began at the cabin of White separatist Randy Weaver in Ruby Ridge, Idaho. Government agents tried to arrest Weaver for failing to appear in court on charges of selling two illegal sawed-off shotguns. On the first day of the siege, Weaver's teenage son Samuel and Deputy U.S. Marshal William Deegan were killed. 1992 has been a while ago, but as I, if I remember correctly, and I didn't look this up, I think Weaver's wife was also killed during that 11-day Siege. That was a very, very unfortunate situation. Life has many unfortunate situations. Every day we face things that we didn't know we were going to face. That's life and that's the way it plays out so often. That's why the word of the Lord is so important, that we need to keep ourselves in the Bible in these very confusing and, and perilous times, really. Psalm 117 says, Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. For his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. We have a shortage of truth today in our culture, particularly here in the United States, but around the world. There's a shortage of truth. Psalm 117 says, Praise ye the Lord. The truth of the Lord endureth forever. Psalm 118 begins with this, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because his mercy endureth forever. That is the word of the Lord. We need that in our culture today more than we ever have in the past, and we've always needed the word of the Lord. These are times that are trying, to say the least. These are, I suppose, in many respects, the best of times, but they are also, as we have heard, the worst of times. I want to talk to you a little bit today, if we have time, I want to talk to you a little bit today about the number of years that China was focused on opening these Confucius Institutes all across America and Europe, for that matter, but they particularly were focused on the United States. They put these institutes in in our country from the University of Washington and Oregon, California, all the way to the eastern seaboard. 
Chinese Communist Party claimed the institutes were merely an attempt to better acquaint American students with China's rich history and culture. That was a lie, and it became very obvious very soon once they got themselves ensconced into our campuses, primarily universities, but there were some Confucius institutes on high school campuses as well. If I recall, I think there was one in Seattle, a high school that had a an institute there for, quote, studying the ancient culture of China. As I said, that was, of course, a lie. There are about 10 of them left in the U.S. today. About 530 of them, the institutes, the Confucius Institutes, 530 worldwide. In America, the number was diminished fairly quickly because our lawmakers had enough courage to stand up against it once they figured out what they were doing. They were feeding China. The Communist Party was feeding the school's money, supplying a teacher for their for their uh, program at no cost and other perks, I'm sure. Um, but what they were doing was really indoctrinating these students and putting a face on China that China doesn't have. The Communist Party controls China, and the face of China is the Communist Party. There's, there's millions and millions of wonderful people in China. In fact, there's hundreds of millions, some say, Christians in China. They're just underground. They have to be because they'll be erased if they show their faces and if they say too much publicly. But the face of China is not the face that we see in politics. It is the face of the Communist Party. So they have now turned their attention on Africa, and on in Africa, and particularly in the southern part of the continent. Axios reported yesterday that the Chinese Communist Party is teaching African leaders its authoritarian alternative to democracy at its first overseas training school. They've set up a training school in Tanzania. These are countries very familiar to me. I've spent time there sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, not communism. (laughs) But the Communist Party, the Chinese Communist Party, has chosen these six African countries to launch its planned takeover of the big continent and the West, and they're not particularly subtle about what they're doing. They are teaching, and this this is condensing a lot of information down to a few sentences. What they are doing is they are teaching these leaders how to seize power within the democratic system, so-called, of that country. And some of these countries that are on this list do have a democratic system. I mean, they vote and they, you know, they do this stuff that democratic, you know, cultures do. Some of them are very, very corrupt. Uh, I mean, it's common knowledge that, you know, a truck shows up with a bunch of ballots and amazing the dictator gets reelected, kind of a thing. And like I said, I've, I've been in these countries. I, in fact, I'm in touch with some of the pastors there now and, and, and continue, or some of the, the sons of some of the pastors that I knew a long time ago. But anyway, uh, what China has done is they, they have condensed down and they've chosen this part of Africa. And all of these nations are highly, highly Christian. I mean, they're from 50 to 80%. They identify as Christian, but they have been sucked into this idea of 
by the Chinese Communist Party. They're coming in. They're spending a lot of money. They've built this campus. It's like a university campus in Tanzania. They spent, I don't know, $40, $60 million on it. And so what they're doing is they're, they're, they're training these people on how to get power working within a democracy and how to sustain that power within that democracy. They're, they're no longer, China, the Communist Party, is no longer trying to overthrow these governments. They're saying, no, let it be. That's okay. They can go on. Let them go through their motions of democracy and so on. And we'll show you how to get elected. And we're going to teach you at this university. And it's named after the founding father of Tanzania. But it involves these six, six countries. We'll show you how to operate within that context of democracy. And we'll show you how to keep control election after election, decade after decade, how you continue to keep control of the country in leadership. That is the bottom line. I've spent a, a, a great deal of time reading about this to be sure that I had it right, and I'm pretty sure. But the Chinese uh, objective, obviously, is to strengthen their footprint on the planet because they see themselves as the emerging, or if not already, the leader, not only of the quote-unquote West, but of the world. They want to knock off the U.S., and they don't want to fight a war to do it. I'm not saying they wouldn't, but I'm convinced they don't want to, probably for a number of reasons. One may be that they're not as advanced as they present themselves as being advanced. But for whatever the reason... I think they're trying to avoid a confrontation. I mean, they'll play the war games and they'll rattle their sabers and so on. But what they're doing is working within the context of the existing government structure. And nobody's been talking about this. And it came out in a story over the weekend, Axios, which is not a conservative news source. They actually ran an article on it. And they were uh, one of the two first uh, news organizations to visit this school, and it is, it, it's impressive. I saw pictures of it. It's impressive. But behind the school's closed doors, they say this is to help them economically develop, and they're, they're, you know, it's their uh, expression of helping you know, the lesser people and so on and so forth. But behind the school's closed doors, economic takes a back seat. It's all about political training. And even the people involved will say so. They're not particularly subtle about this. So that's what's going on in our world today. And I wrote an article on that on our website, faithandfreedom.us. And we write one and publish it every weekday, uh, except when I take a little time off. And I haven't for a long time, but I'm going to here one of these days soon. Uh, and you're saying, yeah, you probably need a break. <laughs> no, I do. But we publish it every every weekday. And so it's there's a more extensive article on this here today. But it the bottom line is that it is is an effort to show certain political people and leaders how to seize office and then how to keep the office, regardless of what's happening around them in this in this cocoon of the democracy in their country, whether it's Mozambique, uh, Tanzania, Zambia, it does, whatever kind, it doesn't matter. As I read this, it was alarming to me because there are 
it's too familiar. And as I push back, and there's much more, and I would encourage you to read, read the article I wrote. But I want to talk to you from my heart, as I do every day. But I want to go off script a little bit today and talk to you about some probably my deepest concern in regards to our country. First and foremost, let me say God is in control. I believe that with all of my heart. Nothing is going to happen that God doesn't allow, but sometimes what God has to allow in bringing about his will and his purposes should not have needed to happen. And I think America is on a, on the verge. We're on the edge of the cliff, the threshold, whatever, however you want to characterize it, of something that has happened in history, but we never anticipated anything like this in this country. Cicero was murdered because of his ideas and his truthfulness. He was a writer. He was an orator. He was a number of things. He lived during the twilight days of the Roman Empire, the Roman Republic. He said, a nation can survive its fools and even the ambitious, but it cannot survive treason from within. An enemy at the gates is less formidable, for he is known and carries his banner openly. But the traitor moves amongst those within the gate freely. His sly whispers rustling through all the alleys, heard in the very halls of government itself. For the traitor appears not a traitor. He speaks in the accents familiar to his victims, and he wears their face and their arguments. He appeals to the baseness that lies deep in the hearts of all men. He rots the soul of a nation. He works secretly and unknown in the night to undermine the pillars of the city. He infects the body politic so that it can no longer resist. A murderer is less to fear. Marcus Tullius Cicero. He was born on January 3rd, 106 B.C. He was murdered on December 7th, 43 B.C. His life, as I said, paralleled the decline and fall of the Roman Republic. He was an orator, a lawyer, a politician, a philosopher. Making sense of his writings, his understanding, his philosophy requires us to keep in mind who he was and what he did, but he certainly had insight. In previous centuries, he's been considered one of the great philosophers of the ancient era. He was widely read through the 19th century. Now, he has pretty much been shut out of college considerations and college discussions, university teaching, and so on. They don't want to hear what he said because we're too close to what he was describing back then in America today. I've talked to professors, and they say that he is pretty much shut out of the conversation on the university campus now. They're not quoting Cicero like we once did. In previous centuries, he was considered one of the great philosophers of the ancient era. Probably the most notable thing that came from his life was, one, ex exposing what it looks like to be the enemy within. But he also played a role in St. Augustine's coming to God and knowing God. St. Augustine... He claimed that it was Cicero's an exhortation to philosophy 
the text of which has been lost, but St. Augustine said it was when he read that work of Cicero that turned him away from his sinful life toward philosophy and then ultimately to God. Cicero's warning 2,000 years ago, approximately, a nation can survive its fools, even the ambition, but it cannot survive treason from within. That could be true in both in our world today, in our country. And it can be true in the church today as well. On July 31st, the um, Jefferson Public Radio Group, it's a news source, they publish a lot of stuff at Southern Oregon University. The headline reads, The Christian Missionary and Musician Visited Boise, Salem, and Olympia this past weekend. This was an article written July 31st. What's that been? Three weeks ago. A couple, three weeks ago. They say dozens of faith leaders in Oregon, Washington, and Idaho sent a letter to local lawmakers last week protesting a tour of Sean Voigt. He's a Christian missionary, they say, and musician who spreads hateful <clears throat> anti-LGBTQ rhetoric, excuse me. The letter was sent on Friday to lawmakers. Again, this is July 31st. The letter was sent on Friday to lawmakers in three states because Voigt visited Boise, Salem, and Olympia this past weekend as part of his 50-state Kingdom to the Capitol tour. They say Voigt is a Christian nationalist, a Trump supporter, who is also affiliated with the conservative nonprofit Turning Point USA. That's Charlie Kirk's organization. I talk about it often on this program. Charlie Kirk is a good guy, and he um, has organized across this country chapters of Turning Point USA on every, almost every college, maybe every college and university campus. It's a massive movement. They are conservative. Charlie is a devout, outspoken Christian. And he's brilliant. And he's got these thousands of kids that are involved in this, college students. And they are making a difference. They're taking a stand on these college campuses across the country. They're coming at it from a political view, but many of them, perhaps a majority of the kids involved in this, they're all conservative. But many of them are Christians, outstanding, committed Christians. So they associate this Sean Voigt, whom I've never met, uh, but I, I know quite a bit about him. Uh, they equate him with Charlie Kirk's Turning Point USA. They say they go on to say this uh, college news service. He rose to prominence during the COVID-19 pandemic due to his rejection of the of the shot, the the vaccine. More more recently, he has said on social media that drag queens are demonic, sick, twisted, and pervert, perverting the minds of children. And he's spoken about a Christian uprising. That isn't true, and my point today is not to defend Sean Voigt. He doesn't need my defense. But that isn't true. He's not talking about a Christian uprising. He's talking about the church taking a stand against what's happening in our culture, against the enemy within. The letter was organized by the Portland-based civil rights nonprofit Western States Center. Here's a part of what that letter said. We reject these attempts to cloak bigotry in religious language, and we ask you to do the same, the letter reads. This uh, rhetoric is especially dangerous 
when paired with Sean Voigt's and Turning Point USA's faithful uh, faith's wit, uh, willingness to court political violence across our region and the country. Now, I want to tell you I pay attention to these. I'm not in touch with either one of these guys, but I pay attention to these things. These guys are not courting political violence across our region and the country. Both of them are standing very strong for righteous, conservative values, Judeo-Christian values. They are not trying to, they are calling on the church to stand in these troubling days in which we live. They are not trying to court political violence across our region and our country. That is an absolute lie. The program manager of this this news service out of the Southern Oregon University, this Kate Blitz, she said they were inspired to send a letter by Voigt's disturbing language. This letter. This kind of activism means that faith voices outside this very narrow concept of Christianity are being left out of the conversation and boxed out of the com- out of the conversation. So when we heard that it, he was headed to our region with this Kingdom to Capital tour, we said, why not reach out to some faith leaders and see what they have to say about someone who is advancing LGBTQ plus bigotry in the language of religion, she says. Of course, they reached out to people that, whom they knew were far left, so-called far left religious pastors. She emphasized that such hateful language does real harm. We know that when this kind of harmful rhetoric, she says, is mainstreamed, and when it's wrapped up in these attempts to gain political power from such a bigoted point of view, we know that it has an impact on the ground. None of this is without consequences when people use this kind of language. This kind of language is what the Bible says about these things. In fact, the Bible is harsher than anything I've seen these guys say, and I follow them pretty closely. If I were a few years younger, well, maybe quite a few years younger, I would have probably, in this environment, probably tried to start something very similar to what Charlie Kirk is doing with Turning Point USA. Or would have probably tried to go across the nation. If you could draw a big crowd and tell them about Jesus Christ and baptize them, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. I don't wear my hair. I don't have any hair much. I don't wear my hair to my shoulders and the kinds of things that this generation is doing, but good grief. These people are taking them on, not because of kind of how how their culture rolls, but they're taking them on because of their beliefs, their biblical beliefs. And this would apply to a guy in a three-piece suit in a big oak pulpit somewhere, not just these kids that are out here rallying thousands of people and getting people saved and baptizing them in a, in a, you know, a cattle water trough or horse water trough. And that's what they're doing. Some of you know that. I mean, they've been in the Northwest here. They've been across the country. And the goal, and Voight's goal is to go and they have music and they worship and they give a salvation message and they say, stand for the country and God and country. And The left just can't handle this. And now they're starting to push back and they're pushing back pretty hard. When Voight arrived in Seattle for his rally, I think it was Seattle recently, he had all the permits in line, and again, I don't know him. I've never spoken to him as far as I know. He had all the permits in line. City had approved it. They were going to, to a park 
in down by the waterfront. And all of a sudden, they they come in, and the the the, the permit process was had been taken care of a long time ago. I mean, a long time before their event day the other day. So they show up in town, and they get out their thousands of dollars worth of equipment, guitars and amplifiers and microphones and blah 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 and all their stuff that they do. And what does the city of Seattle do? They turned on the sprinklers all over this park and just drenched their equipment. Was that deliberate? I don't know. But the timing was sure suspect. That's the environment in which we're living today. But these people are going on now with this letter, and all of this is tied together. I understand Voigt was in Spokane last night. But he was in, I think it was Seattle or Portland. Some guy stole his guitar, which was a kind of a famous guitar that had been given to him by someone. I don't remember the details of the story, but I do remember that someone stole it. And he said it couldn't be replaced at the time. And through some set of circumstances, this guy saw that the guitar, who, the guy that had stolen it, returned it to Voigt. Well, Voigt said that's a miracle and he praised God for it and so on. Well, if I saw this correctly, yesterday they were in Spokane, despite the smoke and all that's going on in that part of the state, Medical Lake and fires and all of this. He was there and he accepted Christ and he, they baptized him. So these people in these churches that are taking on these kids, and I mean, they're not kids, but to me they are, and to many of you they are as well. They may not be doing it the way we used to do it, but they're out there preaching the gospel. They're penetrating the darkness. And I've watched them. I've watched Kirk, and I, I believe in that guy. I've watched Void. I haven't seen him say anything that I disagree with. I'm fairly well informed theologically. I, I don't see him out there spreading a false gospel or anything. He's jumping up and down and singing and doing what he does. And yeah, he's for Trump and he's for America and all of that, but he's mostly for Jesus. That's what they're doing. It isn't the way I would do it. I like the Billy Graham style myself. I like big orchestras better than I like loud guitars. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I mean, I like them, but I like really like big orchestras playing the hymns of the church. Mighty fortress is our God. But I'm 100% behind these kids that are out there doing what they're doing now. They're spreading the gospel. They're making it happen. And they're making an impact on this country. Unfortunately, it is the enemy within that we see attacking these people for what they're doing, even when they have permits. This Reverend Dr. Marilyn Williams, she's the pastor of Salem, Salem, Oregon, Salem Mission Faith Ministries. She said she signed the letter because Voight is using the Bible to preach hate. No, he isn't. He's just preaching the Bible. She just doesn't like what he's preaching about. He's talking about how we are going down the tubes in America, in our culture, because we're not paying attention to the Bible in regards to human sexuality and other issues. She said it's so dangerous using religion to back up your narrow-mindedness. It's extremely dangerous. They sent this to the lawmakers in Oregon, asking them to, I don't know what they wanted them to do to these people that are traveling around holding these meetings, but they wanted them to do something bad to them. 
She said, how can you get anyone who wants to ask Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior that you're preaching hate? Well, there, lots of people are getting saved at these meetings, and they're being baptized, and they know exactly what they're doing. So I, I would just say be very careful, be informed, and know what's happening in our culture, and let God, let God lead you in these matters. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.